Let's turn straight to the Word, shall we? I want us to turn to Philippians chapter 4 this morning. Don't all fall over because we're in the New Testament. Praise God. Just to prove to you that I do know where the New Testament is. <laughs> Philippians chapter 4. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. And this morning, before we get into it, I just want us to just lift up those of our number that are, are not here this morning. I know that Ron is fighting sickness so we need to hold him up in prayer and the others that have gone to various places coming up to holidays it's a time when people go off and visit with families and so forth so let's just take them before the lord in prayer and if there's anyone that that has a need right now why don't you just let me know if there's a need that we need to pray for right now anybody gonna need all your needs are met well praise the lord glory to god that's the truth father in jesus name we just thank you lord that you've given us the 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 privilege to come into your presence lord we've sung this morning we stand in your presence we stand in awe of you and so lord as we come before your throne we know that there's no one that can heal like jesus there's no one that can meet our needs like jesus and so we lift ron before you right now father and we thank you lord that the healing of his body is but a small thing in the sight of the lord and we thank you lord that every sickness flees right now in jesus name we speak to that sickness and we say devil you're the author of this sickness we command you to loose your hold right now we speak healing to that body from the top of his head to the soles of his feet we command it we decree it and we thank you lord that you've given us the power to decree a thing in jesus mighty name and we thank you lord that that sickness flees right now and that ron will glorify you in his body we thank you lord that the devil's a liar we thank Thank you, Lord, for the healing of Deborah's face. We thank you, Father, that, that she is a testimony to the healing power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you that there'll be no mark left. We thank you, Lord, there'll be no pain left. For we thank you, Father, that you are glorified in Deborah's body. Father, we thank you you're glorified in this body, in this body of believers right here called Victory Church Weybridge. And we thank you, Father, for those of our number that are not here for whatever reason. And we lift them before you and we ask your hand of blessing blessing be upon them wherever they go. We thank you, Lord, that they are a blessing to everyone with whom they come into contact, that they might spread the word, that they might spread a, a bit of the life that's in them, that the life in them might reach out and touch someone, that people might know that they've been with Jesus. We thank you this morning. We give you glory. We thank you for your word today. We thank you, Lord, that it's quick and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. That, Father, as it goes into our very being, it has power within itself. It has anointing within itself. That it's able to become life to us. That, Lord, it's not just the dead letter of the law, but as your spirit touches it. Lord, these words, you said my words are spirit and they're life. And we thank you, Father, that you've given us the Holy Spirit to enable us to understand your word. We thank you, Lord, that the Holy Spirit is the revelator, the one that comes to reveal Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that he doesn't ask for any glory for himself. He doesn't ever say, look at me. He says, look at Jesus. Oh, we thank you. We thank you for the Holy Spirit, who's the teacher, 
who's the teacher of the church. And we yield to that anointing right now. We say, Holy Spirit, come and have your power, have your way with us. Come in mighty power. Come that we might see Jesus this morning, that we might hear from the throne of the Father, that we might be changed from glory to glory, that your will may be done in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Philippians chapter 4 is one of my favorite chapters. And the word I got this morning is very simple. But, you know, as I was praying yesterday, I realized that one of the biggest enemies to the believer is worry. One of the greatest enemies, one of the things which causes us to get into such stress and strife is worry. And yet we're told so many times in Scripture not to worry. And this place is no exception. In chapter 4 and verse 6, it says, be careful for nothing. That means don't worry. Be anxious for nothing, it says in some places. In uh, Matthew, it, in one version, I think it's the Barclay translation, it says, entertain, no worry. Well, I get a picture out of that, you know. The picture I get out of that is when you entertain someone, you invite them in and you, you, you have, give them a nice comfortable seat and you say, there's, a, there's a, a stool for your feet there. Put your feet up. Why don't you have a cup of tea? You know, that's how you entertain somebody, isn't it? Well, you know, we do that with worry. We say, come on in, worry. Come and take a seat in my life. Come and reside in me. You know, my father was a worrier. My father was one of these people, if he didn't have anything to worry about, he'd worry. <laughs> he'd worry that something was wrong because he didn't have anything to worry about. But, you know, worry will shorten your life. And worry, we're told here, don't worry. Well, that's easier said than done, you say. Well, that's why he goes on to tell us how. You see, God never tells you to do something without he gives you the hows. God has given us this book, and it's a book of hows, how-tos. I like how-tos. There's a lot of people tell you what to do, but they don't tell you how to do. And so I like to tell how to do, because God tells us how to do. He says, in everything, by prayer. By prayer. In everything, by prayer. Well, that word prayer isn't what you might think. That word prayer there is not, um, well, you know, oh, Lord, I'm really worried about this. Oh, dear, you know, I need you to deal with this, Lord. This word prayer is the initial stage. You see, he says, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. There's three things there. And it's not, it's not all lumped in together. You see, there's a place you need to come to. There's a place you need to come to before you start giving him your shopping list. And that's the place of prayer. You see, the word prayer here is a word which really means to come into his presence. It's a word which incorporates worship. But it's, that, it's what I like to call chilling out with Jesus. It's that place which Malcolm Smith refers to as being. It's that place where you can slide into his presence. And it's a hard place to get to. Because you know what? We're so used to doing we forget how to be. We're so used to, you know, we, we find it hard to come into the presence of God and just shut up. We want to be doing something. We want to, if we're in the presence of God, we've got to be rababasitorobobosha. Or else we've got to be saying, oh Lord, oh Lord. And, you know, and he wants to say, shh, shh. You know what it's like sometimes when, you know, like Danielle will come and, and, and she'll sit on mommy's knee and she'll just lay her head against your breast and you don't say anything to her and she doesn't say anything to you but there's a communication between you there's as your arms are around her there's just a, a sense of well-being there's a sense of 
everything's going to be all right. She's comfortable. She's secure in your arms. And that's the place that we need to come to in Christ. That's the place we need to understand is for us. But we're so used to wanting to do. When I first started to get a hold of this concept, it was hard. It's like, well, well, here I am, Lord. Shouldn't I be saying something? Shouldn't I be doing something? Shouldn't I be praying? Shouldn't well, you are praying. See, praying is communication. Communication. And communication, as we know, is not always verbal. Communication isn't always talking. Or even listening. And there's a place for listening. But communication sometimes is just being. And just allowing that presence to overwhelm you and fill you and refresh you. It's like plugging in at the mains. Well, when you're in that place, you know, when you're cuddled up there, chilling out with Jesus. When you're in that place where where you're just secure in the Father's love, then is the time for supplication. And supplication is the, um, that's the shopping list. (laughs) That's the please God, this is what I want bit. This is the bit that we all want to get to first. Or else, either that or we're frightened to come to God with our needs. He says, come, bring the needs to me. But you know what? When you spend a little bit of time just chilling, just chilling in his presence, it's amazing how the list changes. The things that you, you first had, you know, when you thought, oh, these things are pressuring me. And then you just spend a little bit of time in his presence. Well, then you find that you don't have as much to ask him for as you did when you first came. You know, the supplication changes. What it is, it's a request for benefits. That's what supplication is. The give me's. But it's... but. But it, now, it's, well, now I'm in your presence, Lord. Now I know what I need. See, we think we know what we need. But you know, if God gave you everything you asked for, you'd be a right mess. It's the truth. He knows what's best for us. But you know, if you spend a bit of time just chilling in his presence, a bit of time just communicating in that nonverbal way, that bit of time where you just hug with God, just, just cuddle up with Jesus then you know what to ask for. Then you know what you need. Then you can come to him praying his will into that situation. And you can do it with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. The word for thanksgiving is a word made up of two words. Um, that it's uh, Eucharistia. And it mean, it's made from you, which is well, and charis, which is grace. And it basically means to receive something as if you don't deserve it. Well, that ain't hard. <laughs> We don't deserve anything. I mean, if we get what we deserve, that's, then, you know, we, we wouldn't be here, would we? So, praise God. I mean, I, I've been telling people all the time, you know, grace gives you what you don't deserve. Mercy withholds from you what you do deserve. If you deserve it, you can't have it. So, it's not difficult to recognize that we don't deserve. Well, when we don't deserve, we can have thanksgiving because we know he's giving us what we don't deserve. And that's what the thanksgiving is. It's thanking him for the things that we're supplicating him for and resting in that knowledge that it's done. Because we don't deserve it. If we deserve it, we're not going to get it. And then it says, let your request be made known unto God. That's your petitions. Let your petitions be made known unto God. Well, do you think God's ignorant of your petitions? You think God doesn't know what you need? You think God doesn't know what you, what's on your list? Of course he knows. 
But just like a parent needs to hear from the child, you know, God wants to hear from us. He wants to communicate with us. He wants us to say, please, Daddy, because he wants the joy of being, of being able to say, yes, child. That's part of love. That's part of relationship. He doesn't want us just to pretend that nothing, you know, everything's there for us. That's taking for granted, isn't it? And there is an element of taking for granted in that we expect it to be. But we only expect it to be because he said it already. See, he's already said it. So when you expect it because he said it, that's not taking for granted. That's, that's being full of thanksgiving. That's faith, isn't it? Trusting what God says is and will be. So let our petitions be known of God. Let him know what we need. Let him know what's on our heart. Talk to him about your dreams. He knows them already. He knows what you need. But when you talk it over, and you know, I know that sometimes fears and worries come up against you, but you know, God knows what's going on on the inside of you. And when you start talking it over with him, when you start talking it over with him, then he somehow changes things. And as you're talking it over, it doesn't look as bad anymore situations begin to change because your your way of looking at things change sometimes the situation's the same but you're looking at it from this side and it looks terrible but when you just move across here and you look at it from this side then it doesn't look so bad and that's what god will do sometimes he doesn't change the situation immediately but he'll just say come on over here come on over here and he'll take us and, and show us a different direction so that we can see his hand. See, we don't know what God's doing. There was a, a singer years ago called Len McGee. And uh, he, he sang a song about um, God being the artist. Um, and, you know, it says, we see the, we see the picture, but God sees the artist. He's, we, we see... We see the, the little bits, but he sees the whole picture. And I'm, I've often shared with the students how we presume things because we only see a small part of the picture. There was an advertisement on a billboard in the stations, in, in the underground stations, a couple of years ago now. And it was um, two men running. And there was a, a black man in plain clothes running. And a few yards behind him, there was a white policeman in uniform running. And the presumption was that the black man was a crook and the white policeman was chasing the black crook. Yes, that was the presumption because we saw that part of the picture. But if you read the bottom, it turns out that the black man was a plainclothes policeman chasing a crook who was off our picture. You see, it was, um, it was an advertisement for the police force that there were, um, and, and it talked about presumption. See, presumption is taking a small part of the picture and building a picture around it. Prejudice is prejudging. It's taking a situation from one perspective and judging from that perspective. It's not allowing the other perspective to come through. And we have to learn that we can only see a little bit of the picture. But God sees what's off our picture. We've only got like a little television screen. But, you know, God is in panavision or whatever it is and there's a bit over here that we don't see and sometimes God will take us to step back and he'll say just come and look through my lens come and look through my eyes come and see what I see you remember the the prophet when the the servant was panicking because he was saying oh you know we're, we're defeated oh dear you know there's all these enemy coming against us and Elijah said no Lord open his eyes <laughs> 
Just open his eyes, Lord. Let him see. There's more for us than there are against us. It just depends on your perspective. It depends on the, the way you see things. So this is to do with attitude. It's to do with perspective. It's to do with the way we see things. It's to do with recognizing God's way of doing things is not always our way. His ways are above our ways. It says, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's saying then, if you'll do this, if you'll learn to be careful for nothing by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your petitions be made known to God, then peace will garrison your heart and mind. Garrison, that's what the word says. Now, if you think about a garrison, that's a fort. It's a structure that keeps out the enemy. If you will allow the peace of God to garrison, the word heart here is the word cardia. It means mind. It means seat of the intellect. It means your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's soul. The word is soul. It will guard your soul. And then the word mind here is talking about your understanding, the workings of your soul. So if you, which, that's the, that's the battleground, isn't it? Isn't the soul the area, the battleground? The devil works on your will. He works on your emotions and he works on your thoughts. That's his battleground. Well, if you will learn how to, by prayer and supplication through thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, then the peace of God will garrison your mind. He'll put a fortress around your mind because that's where you need to be able to defend the enemy. The thoughts of the enemy are coming at you all the time, telling you how bad it is, how lousy life is, how everything's against you, how you, this isn't going to work and that isn't going to work and how life is so terrible. And the devil begins to blow up a big picture of how awful things are. And if you don't have that peace of God garrisoning your mind, then you're going to listen to that. The arrows come in. And once the arrows pierce through the, the armor, then it's much harder to get them out. It's much easier to protect your mind than it is to defend it once the attacks have started to come. So it's better we learn to build a garrison than to have to defend it once it's breached the walls. Once it's entrenched, once a, a, the enemy has got his lies into your mind, into your soul... Then you're going to have to start battling. It says that, the, the, that any thought that rises up, in Corinthians it says, any thought that rises up against the knowledge of God, we need to pull it down because it becomes a stronghold. And once you get a stronghold, then it's hard to uproot. It's hard to get rid of it. So it's best if we don't allow him to come in the first place. It's best if as soon as his foot touches the, the edge of our territory, that belongs to God, that we learn how to say, uh-uh, we put up the walls, and that wall of peace is the wall. You see, he is our peace. I love that song. I wish Boss today were here. She sings the a cappella beautifully. There she sings, he is my peace. He's broken down every wall. He is our peace. See, he's our peace. Jesus is our peace. And that's the, the peace of God, if we will allow, will garrison our minds. And then it says, Finally, brethren, in other words, to continue this, to, to complete this work, if you're going to allow, not allow worry to take a hold of you, if you're going to defeat worry, then not only do you need to be in prayer and supplication and let your requests be made known to God so that your mind is garrisoned by the peace, but this is the way to keep it. Once you've got there, you need to keep it. 
Whatsoever things are true. These are things that I want you to concentrate on, he says. These are the things that you need to be focusing your attention on. Because once you've got the mind garrisoned, you need to keep the defenses there. You need to keep the sandbags built up. It's no good just building up the walls and saying, yep, that's all right, guys. The walls are built. Let's all go and have a cup of tea. Because the enemy will come. You need to be forever checking the defenses. We're in a battle. There's an enemy. There's an enemy and he's very real. He's not a figment of our imagination. He's very real and he hates your guts. He hates you once because you're made in the image of God. He hates you twice because you've been born again into the image of God's dear son. And so you are, every time you get up, you are a trophy to his defeat. Every time you open your mouth and you say hallelujah, you're reminding every devil in hell that he lost. So you are a target from the time you get up until the time you go to bed and then some. I mean, you're a target. You might as well know it. So you might as well know that you have been given everything you need to keep the enemy out. But, you know, if you don't keep the enemy, if you don't close the doors, the draft will get in. That's just a fact of life. You know, it's no good you sitting there weeping and wailing and saying, why didn't God protect me? Oh, you know, it's not fair. God loves me. Why didn't he protect me? He's saying, yes, I've given you all you need. Now you've got to do something. You've got to do something. So it's no good complaining that the horse has bolted when you didn't shut the gate. It's no good complaining that you got, you know, mess in the house because you didn't keep the door closed or the windows closed. You know, don't complain about what you allow. <laughs> that's, a, that's one of um, Mike Murdoch's pearls of wisdom. It's one that my husband is always quoting. Uh, it's one that we give our children. It's one that we give our children along with the proof of desire is pursuit. You know, we've got a couple that we keep reminding them. But you see, don't complain about what you allow. If you allow the devil to whip you, don't complain about it. Just do something about it. Because we can all spend our lives in complaining. So, so you need to concentrate. What it's saying is fix your attention on these things. Fix your attention on things that are true. That, that there, that, that, the context of that word true is one who cannot lie. So fix your things, your, your thoughts on things that are beyond question. Trust things that are truth. Don't receive things just because someone says them. Don't listen to lies. Don't listen to, don't listen to the wannabes and the canbes and the maybes. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Praise God. It's good to know. <laughs> Is that, a, is that a hint that I don't have a message this morning? <laughs> you have no messages. Praise God. <laughs> I don't receive that. So <laughs> we need to recognize that we don't look at the, at the negative possibilities. See, I loved it. When I came in this morning, the first song I heard them singing is, Whose report will you believe? We will believe the report of the Lord. Well, there's too many people ready to receive the report of the devil, ready to receive the report of the negative. There's too many people ready to see the bad stuff. We need to concentrate on what's truth. 
And if it's truth, that means it's grounded and rooted and grounded in the Word of God. It's rooted and grounded in God. If it's not according to His character and His nature, then it's not truth. And I don't want to hear it. You know, people will always want to tell you stuff. Don't listen to it. If it's not rooted and grounded in God, then it's not truth. And you don't need to hear it. You don't need to know. And, you know, you need to focus on the things of God. You know what? People will get you down by planting seeds of doubt in your mind. If you will allow just a, just a little seed to come in your mind. You know, if somebody, somebody just says something to you, well, you know that George, you know. See, you know, just a little, a little thing like that. Well, you know, George did this or George said that. Now, you might not know George, but you see, that's a seed. And if you listen to that, when you meet George, the first thing that's going to come to your mind is what somebody said about him. You see? And so that's been, that's been a little seed that's dormant until it's activated. And that can cause problems. Richard and I were just talking before the service about no, no man after the flesh. God gave me a message years ago, no, no man after the flesh, because I was having real problems with a minister who, when he got up on the platform, he was speaking like the oracles of God. I mean, his word of knowledge was so accurate, he could tell you what your granny had for breakfast. I mean, he was just, it was spectacular. The miracles in his ministry were spectacular. We had lunch at his house and he crucified everybody with his tongue. We were so naive in those days. We didn't know Christians did that, you know. I mean, we were just flabbergasted all the way home we didn't know what to do but you know the seed was planted in me and I didn't know how to deal with it and so every time someone would say oh this man's ministry oh isn't it wonderful I wanted to say I wanted so badly to say yeah, you don't know what he's really like. You want to hear him at lunch. Because, you know, it was, it was working in me and I didn't like it. And so I had to go to the Lord and say, help. Because I, was, I had heard, I was ready to spread a bad report. Because it was true. I mean, it was true, but it wasn't truth. You see, God said to me, first of all, you don't know if he didn't just repent of that anyway. You don't know what happened after you left. If after you left, he repented of that. But also, God taught me how to ch see the difference between the anointing and the character. And to recognize, and, and it taught me a great lesson, don't run after the spiritual. Don't chase after the gifts. Because just because the gifts are good don't mean to say that the life is good. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. And somebody standing up here and laying hands on the sick and seemingly spiritual, their lives may not tell. And so, you know, we, we, we need to be careful to recognize what is God. God used a donkey. <laughs> you know, it didn't mean the donkey was great. It just meant that he was a handy vessel. And so when people stand up here, don't judge by what you see in the platform. Because the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. And the gifts are to the body. So just because there's an anointing doesn't mean to say that there's character. And so it's character God wants to build. So my prayer is not give me more anointing. The anointing, you know, how much more can you get? You know, I'm completely complete in him. And his anointing, that's up to him. You know, he anoints. There's an anointing for my gift. There's an anointing to teach on my life. There's an anointing upon his word. And there's an anointing which he brings and we can't bring it. He brings it. He 
is the one that anoints when he, when he chooses. You can sing the same songs one week and you can have a Holy Ghost move. Mind you, you can get a few tingles and we call that the Holy Ghost. We, we think we've got an anointing when we've got a good atmosphere. But you know what it is? A lot of times we judge by the goosebumps instead of judging by the results. And that's all right. You know, God doesn't mind. He's happy with us getting, you know, I love it. I love being in the presence of God where I get, oof, I love it. There's nothing like it, you know. Um, but, you know, that isn't the be-all and end-all. That's not the be-all and end-all. And, you know, when God brings his anointing, sometimes it'll be as dry as anything. Praise and worship will be flat. Everybody's singing off-key. But suddenly the anointing's there. Now, you know, the music, the anointed praise and worship will, will bring us into a place where we can hear from God. And so we think it's bringing the anointing. It isn't actually bringing the anointing. God anoints as he chooses. For, you know, anointing is unction, unction to function. That's what it's for, unction to function. And so, I don't know why I got off on this, but basically what, <clears throat> what I want to say is when, when, we are, when we are in his presence, then we can see good. When, we are, when, when we're um, looking at the externals, that's really what I want to say. When we're looking at the externals, when we judge by externals, we'll be off up on a, uh, the garden path, will be misled. That's how people get caught up in false doctrines, in error, because they're misled. They're led by what they see. They're led by things which seemingly are sweet. But, you know, um, isn't there a, a scripture which talks about when something is honey on the tongue, but when you take it down into the, into the belly, it becomes bitter? Because it's not good. You see, the word of God is sweet. And when you take it, when you take the word of God, it will produce life. But, you know, a lot of the things we're misled. If we follow after people, if we follow after things which are seemingly outside things, external things, if we judge by the externals, we'll be misled. See, there's good in all, in all of it. There's good. There's, it's, it's wonderful. We love the externals. There's nothing, nothing we love more than having Holy Ghost praise and worship and, and, you know, the anointing flows and you stand there and, you know, you're weeping or you're laughing or whatever and the Spirit of God moves and people get healed and, you know, and set free. But, you know, so long as, and praise God here, it's based in the Word. It's based in the Word. See, you've got, everything's got to come back to the Word. The minute you start thinking, well, that's not quite what the Word says, but it feels good, then, then you're going off adrift, you see. And people do that, and they end up going right off on a tangent. Or oh, you can go the other way and say, oh, no, if it feels good, it can't be God. So if it feels good, it can't be God, you know, because it's not according to the law, it's not according to the letter. And so people are, are quenching what God's doing and judging, judging. You know what? If we're wrong, if we're wrong in what we do, then God will straighten us out so long as our attitude is right. See, so long as we're saying, Lord, we want to be in your presence. We want to do what you want us to do. We want to be where you want us to be. We don't want it just for us. We want what you want. So long as we're right, so long as our attitude is right, God will straighten us out. And, you know, we have to assume, I believe we have to assume that other people who are doing things that we may look at and think, oh, I don't know about that. We have to assume that their prayer is the same. We have to assume that they're saying, Lord, I believe this is you, but if it's not you, then straighten me out. And in the meantime, 
not talk about them like, you know, well, they're really off the wall over there. I mean, you know, love them, pray for them and let God do it. Because you know what? There's a little bit of truth in all Do You know, error is only truth taken to the extreme. That's all. Error is truth taken to the extreme. You know, you get to the wall and uh, we've all been there. You know, you get hold of a truth. Remember what it's like when you first got hold of faith, you know. Remember when you, I mean, you probably know you were like this. I was so full of faith. I was so full of faith, man. I could move mountains. I could command the rain to stop. I was so full of faith. You never heard a negative word come out of my mouth. Uh, except, of course, to correct you. Of course, there wasn't any love there. You know, I forgot that love's the arm that lifts the shield of faith. You know, but when we first got into word of faith, there wasn't any love. Forget love. You know, somebody opened their mouth and the first thing you said was, what's your confession? You're ready to cut people up. And if they didn't get healed, there must be sin in your life. If you're not prospering, then you mustn't be walking with God. You mustn't have enough faith. I mean, we, we lived like that. We lived walking around thinking we were God's gift to the body of correction. We were the gift of correction. We took the word of God and we used it like a two-edged sword. My goodness, a two-edged sword to cut up our brethren. And we called it faith. Well, you see, thank God there was a truth there. There's a truth in faith. We need faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But you know what? Faith needs love to work it. And we thrown out, well, we, we talked love. We said we had love, you know. We, we, but there wasn't much room for love. Well, you know, then there was the lot that said, oh, no, faith has got no love, you see. Faith's got no love. So, so we'll all just be loving. So there's a lot of people out there that are still, they're very loving. They're very sweet, very loving. Loving to everybody. They'll love everything. No discernment. No faith. I mean, they're all full of love and they have these lovely, lovely, sweet meetings where everybody's lovely and everything's wonderful and they sing nice songs and, and everything seems very nice. But you know what? When the enemy comes, there's no faith. They can't stand. They don't know how to stand against the wiles of the enemy. Deborah told us on Wednesday, be not unaware of Satan's devices. It, it, we have to know what the, what the devil's up to. He's got a game plan and we have to know his game plan. But praise God, God's told us his game plan because the devil's got nothing new. He's got nothing new. But you see, you need a balance. And that's what truth is. So we need to focus on truth. Whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are honest. Venerable is the word. Worshipful. In fact, um, I'm going to read you what Zodiati says about it. Because he says it better than I do. He says this. Um, this is the word for um, honest. To worship or venerate. Venerable does not merely indicate the earthly dignity lent to a person, but one who also owes his modesty to that higher citizenship, which is also his, being one who inspires not only respect, but reverence and worship. There lies something of the majestic and awe-inspiring qualities in this word honest, which does not repel, but rather invites and attracts. And one of the the expressions of that is to act like a sacred person. If you're honest, this honesty is not something that's going to push away. It's something that's going to attract. See, we can be painfully honest, can't we? 
But you see, honesty, again, it doesn't come to just speak to, um, to destroy. It comes to speak, to attract, to draw to. You know, somebody told me one time that truth, that we should speak the truth in love. The Bible says that, to speak the truth in love. We've talked about things that are true and honest. Well, you know, the problem is that a lot of times we speak the truth, but there's no love. Well, he said this, and I, I thought it was so good. He said, truth without love is like vinegar. Love without truth is like sugar. See, sugar is just rots your teeth makes you fat. <laughs> vinegar is sour, bitter. But truth with love is like salt. And salt changes everything it touches. Salt's a catalyst. We're called the salt of the earth. So speaking the truth is not enough. Being honest is not enough. It needs to be with love. We need to be honest. See, again, it's back to motives. It's all back to motives and attitudes. Why are we saying it? Why are we speaking it? Is it to put someone down or is it to build them up? What we say has to build, not destroy. See, God's in the building business, not the destroying business. When he says, when he comes along and gives us some correction, it's so that we can be raised up to a higher level. It's not so that we can be dragged down. And we need to recognize that and do the same. He says, whatsoever things are just. Well, what's just? That's just according to God. It's interesting that... Uh, <clears throat> Deborah was talking about the, the, the prayer of the, the woman or the, the um, knocking of the woman to the unjust judge. And she said, give me justice. Give me justice. Well, I don't want justice. <laughs> Hallelujah. She wanted justice. She was in the world. She went to an unjust judge for justice. And she got justice. But praise God, we don't get justice. If we got justice... Then we would none of it, well, then we'd all be in hell. But we don't get justice. We get judgment. You see, judgment and justice are different. Justice as judged by God. Just as judged by God. It's um, <clears throat> that which is expected by the one who sets the rules. That's what just is. Focus on just things. Focus on what God says about things. Focus upon what he says about situations. Not upon what the world says. Not upon what people say, but upon what God says. See, he says there's none righteous. No, not one. But in him, we've been made the righteousness of God. We look at our brethren and we see their faults. But you know, the Lord says they've been judged righteous. We look at our, our brothers and sisters in Christ and we see their faults. And he says, you don't have a right to do that because they've been judged and they've been judged righteous. So you need to see them just. So we don't see the bad stuff. We look for the good. That's what he's saying, really. Focus on the good. We can all focus on the bad. We can all find fault. Hey, you know, we've all of us got faults. And... The blessing is, as believers, being able to overlook one another's faults and help one another in them. But, you know, God's working on all of us. He ain't there are none of us yet. We've all got L plates on. He's working on all of us. You know, the thing is that we, we like to focus on other people's faults because they make ours look a lot better. 
you know. If I can see how bad you are, then, then I can compare myself with you, you know, and I, and I don't look too bad. Or we do it the other way around. We compare ourselves with people and we feel worse. <laughs> we do that too. But, you know, it, that isn't what God wants us to do. He wants us to see things the way he sees them. But when we look at our brethren, you know what? The person next to you is the anointed of God. Not the anointed of God. The Bible says, touch not the Lord's anointed and do his prophets no harm. Well, we think about that as, you know, don't touch Kenneth Hagin. You know, he's the anointed. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're the anointed. And then turn to the poor person on the other side and say, you're the anointed. Well, you need to look at them good and recognize they're the anointed. And God says, touch not the Lord's anointed. You're the Lord's anointed. And no one has a right to touch you. Because when you touch you, they touch God. Because you're his anointed. You're his chosen one. You're his vessel. Now, other people might see all the tarnish on the outside, but you're his vessel. And he doesn't see all that tarnish. See, he sees you as you're going to be. He sees you as you're going to be, not as you are. Hallelujah. Then he says, whatsoever things are pure, that's free from defilement or impurities. Don't look at junk. You know, really just, just guard your heart. That means guard your mind, garrison your mind. You have a controller on your television set. Television has some good stuff and it has some not so good stuff. And sometimes on all the channels, there's not so good stuff. Guard your heart against it. You know, our minds they are computers and an image will go into your computer and stay there dormant until your brain calls it up to the forefront. And that can cause you untold problems because of the junk that you've put in your mind. So only look on pure. Pure means undefiled. Well, I don't think we need to go into what's defiled. You know, you know, put it like this. If you would show it to Jesus, if he were there in the flesh, right, then it's okay. If you would be a little bit wary of sharing it with Jesus, then you shouldn't be doing it. We shouldn't be looking at it because Jesus is in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. He sees through your eyes. He hears through your ears. So if you're listening to something that is um, impure, defiled, think about if you tell the same thing to Jesus. If you're watching something which is impure and defiled, Think about, would you show this to Jesus? Would you say, let's watch this video together, Jesus? <laughs> right. That's how you judge. Well, you know, if you're not concentrating on these things that are pure, you will have problems. See, I'm not here telling you, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. God doesn't do that. I want you to know, you know, I'm telling you, there is no rules. There's no rules. New creation realities, you choose. It's all down to choice. He says, I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. You choose. It's up to you. I'm not saying, don't go watch this, or don't go listen to this, or don't go do that. I'm not saying that. God doesn't say that. He just says, this is what will happen if you do this, and this is what will happen if you don't do that. You can choose. It's up to you. See, but you know, we would rather have a whole set of rules. Wouldn't we rather have rules? We'd rather, you know, people want rules. People want the law. Because if you bring the law, see, it's easy. Now, the law says, now, if you do this, 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 and this, then you'll be all right. And if you don't do this, this, and this, well, you're going to hell. 
So we say, oh, well, we better do this then. But you see, God isn't interested in the flesh. He's interested on the inside. And what you're doing on the inside is what he's concerned about. So we need to understand what he's saying. He's saying, guard your heart. He's saying, he says in Proverbs, guard your heart for out of it flow the issues of life. Out of your mouth flows life or death, blessings and cursings. You will speak what you've put in there. It's um, a question of go. That's computer language. Garbage in, garbage out. Right? If you put garbage in, garbage will come out. It's not what goes in the mouth that defiles you, the Bible says. You know, people say, oh, don't eat this or don't drink that, you know. Don't have black pudding. Don't have a glass of wine. Fine, if that's what you don't want to do. But they're not going to defile you. Those things don't defile you. What comes out of your mouth defiles you. When you speak negative about someone, that defiles you. So we need to concentrate on the things that are going to allow us to speak good. Because you will speak what you're putting in. If you're feeding in junk, you'll speak out junk. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth leaks. If you're full of something, you take a squeezy bottle. And it's full up. You squeeze it, it all pops out the top. Well, whatever you're full of, when somebody puts the squeeze on you, that's what you're going to bring out. So that's how you know what's in there when the pressure's on. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth leaks. It leaks out. So we need to be careful that what we're putting in is what's coming out. You know, concentrate on things that are beautiful. Like Danielle, you know, beautiful little baby there. I mean, the things that she does, they're pure. They're undefiled. Even when she does things that you may not think are good things, the, the innocence of a child is precious. Listening to Hazel's little tape, cry my eyes out, you know? Precious, precious, innocence, pure. Seeing uh, Shara and Kara praise and worship behind this microphones up here, just worshiping God, precious. You know, that those things are, are pure. Concentrate on those things. Focus on those things. Things that are pure and undefiled. Then it says, whatsoever things are lovely. That means friendly towards. Acceptable. Things that are acceptable. Think about Victory Church and how friendly we are. Think about the, the nice people that are here. Think about how they make you feel at home. Think about nice things like that. Think about things that are going to be pleasing and things that bless people. Think about blessings. Think about the fruit of the Spirit. Think about, you know, lift people up. Think about good things like that, lovely things, nice things. Concentrate on the nice things. Think of, think of something nice about everybody. I'm sure you can do it. You know, if you think about, if you, if you go around the room, mentally go around the room, and you think about something nice about everybody, you know, it really, even if, you know, even if you, th you come in and you're thinking, you know, and sometimes you do because you're human. But if you think about something nice about someone, I, I always try and, and, and t say something nice to people. You know, When I meet people, I always try and look for something good. Did you know you can find something good in everybody? Even in the worst person, you can find something good. Find something nice to say. Find something nice to think, first of all, because that will change every way it comes out. You know, Saying to them, hmm, like a dress. And um, <laughs> that's not going to quite cut it, is it? <laughs> You know, so you have to think about it first so that your attitude changes. So when it comes out of your mouth, it comes out nice. No? 
Now everyone's going to be suspicious, right? When anyone says, um, oh, I like your shirt, Stuart. You know, he's going to think, oh, what was she thinking bad about me <laughs> earlier on that she's had to concentrate on this? <laughs> no. But we, it's good that we do those things. It's good that we, that we think about something nice to say. About. Mind you, here it's not difficult. It's not difficult to think about nice things to say about the people in this church. But things are of good report, reputable, well spoken of. Testimonies. I mean, what's that wonderful testimony that, that we got this morning from Deborah? You know, I mean, it's awful that Deborah had to go through that. But what a testimony to the glory of God. And it's, it's important that we share those things because those are the things, those good reports are the things that people remember. You know, that will be repeated. You see, I know because I repeat testimonies I hear from you. You know, I tell people because, you know, that will encourage someone else. So things like that, they're good reports. Let's, let's be ready to give good reports all the time. You know, that's, that's, that's the song again, isn't it? Whose report are we going to believe? The report of the Lord, the good report. I don't want to hear a bad report. I want to hear a good report. Let's have a good report. Do you know, the, a good report is the opposite of gossip. Isn't it? A good report is the opposite of gossip. And we choose. Do you know something? It's proven. It's proven that... Most of the sickness in the world is caused by the way we think. I'm not saying it's psychosomatic, but most of the sickness in the world is caused by the way we think. We cause sickness in our body. I know last week the children were talking about bitterness causing problems in the bones. You know, if you have bitterness and unforgiveness in your life, a lot of times you'll have bone problems. You'll have you know, arthritic problems. I'm not saying arthritis is always caused by bitterness. But if you come across someone who's got arthritis, they better be sure they get rid of any bitterness or unforgiveness because that can cause it. Rheumatism, things like that. And again, I'm not saying that it's always caused by bitterness. But bitterness and unforgiveness will cause problems in the bones. The Bible says so. And so there are many sicknesses in our bodies that are caused by the way we feel. And you've only got to, I mean, you know in your own life, you know if you're feeling miserable, horrible, and you're saying all horrible things, and you're grumpy, and you've made a decision that you're not going to be, you're not going to smile, you're just going to be a miserable old so-and-so. You know you don't feel good. You know it. But you know that if you've made the decision, even if you get up that day and you're feeling lousy, you're feeling awful, your body is telling you go back to bed, you're aching from head to toe, you're tired, you're miserable, you're fed up, everything's gone wrong, you put your tights on and they ladder and they're the only pair you got, you go to do your hair and it sticks out to different directions, I mean everything goes wrong, you know, I know you gentlemen have real trouble like that, but you know, but you know what, if you make the decision, no, I'm not going to go with this. I'm not going to go with this. I'm going to believe a good report. Praise God. Start thinking about all the good things. I'm, I'm healed. I'm saved. What is it? His report says I'm healed. His report says I'm filled. Hallelujah. His report says I'm free. His report says victory. You can walk down the road. Sometimes you have to speak it loud. Sometimes you feel so miserable and so bad. You can't do it in your head. You've got to say it out loud. I've done that. I've done that before. I told you when I, was, when I was battling against that fear, I walked down the road and in the middle of Hampstead, in the middle of 9.30 at night, I stopped, I put my briefcase down, I said, devil! Now if anybody had been around, they'd have thought I was off my head. I don't care. I'm not bothered whether they think I'm off my head or not. 
I refuse to walk in fear. I had to say it out loud. I don't care if you don't like what I say. That's all right. You're not the one doing the battle. I am. And I want to do whatever it takes. And you know what? You start beginning to re- to give a good report. You get up in the morning. You start saying, hallelujah. I'm the head, not the tail. Like Deborah was praying at the beginning. You know, you, it was, yes, you might have come in feeling beat up, shook down, beaten about the head by the devil. But as soon as she started saying, we're the head and not the tail. We're above only. I'm not going to be under his feet. And you're going, yeah, yeah. So, Even though Deborah's the one praying it, you were there with her, you felt better. Didn't you feel better? Didn't you feel better? If the devil had come at you right then, you would have smacked him one in the mouth, right? Because you know who you are. But sometimes you need to say it. Sometimes you need to speak it. Sometimes you need to hear it with your own ears. So you need to give yourself a good report. Whatsoever things are full of virtue. Virtue is excellence. Whatsoever things are full of... It's a human virtue is courage, fortitude, resolution, moral excellence, all the good things. Let's concentrate on the good things. Let's talk about the good things that have gone on. Let's talk about how how people have survived this and how people have got through this. Let's share the, the excellence in the body of Christ. That's not talking about whether you've got your shirt on the right way round. You know, it's not talking about whether you've got clean carpets. It's talking about the courage and the fortitude that is there in, that God has placed within people. Virtue is like a power. It's a power. It's, a, it's moral strength, excellence. The way that people stand up against, against the enemy, the way that people hold on, that encourages us. And when you look at those things, when you, look, when you hear of, of how people have stood in certain situations, it encourages you to stand. So these are things to concentrate on. Hand praise. If there be any praise. If there be any praise. Praise. Praise is bragging on God. That's what praise is. Praise is talking about God. Is, is there anything to give praise for? That's what he's saying. If there's anything to praise God for. If there's anything. Is there anything to praise him for? Yes. There's plenty to praise him for. If you just start thinking about what there is to praise him for, I mean, that'll turn you around right there. What can I praise him for today? You know, some people get up. I remember one guy told me, well, you know, I was giving my testimony and I, you know, and I, and I didn't have anything to, I didn't have anything to tell him, you know. I mean, God had done nothing to me. And I was so mad I could have beat him up, you know. I was so mad. Well, I did, but just with my, my mouth. I sorted him out young man, he was staying in the same house as me at the time. I said, how dare you? Because he was a friend. I could talk to him like that. I said, how dare you talk like that? How dare you talk like God hasn't done anything for you? He stopped you going to hell just because you haven't got financially what you wanted. He was waiting for some money to come through that belonged to him. That it was held up, an insurance claim. And, you know, he was complaining about this. And then he was hard up here. And then he couldn't get a work here. And he couldn't get this. And da, 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 da. And he was forever moaning. And I said, how dare you? I said, you know what? He's God. He is God. He's almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. He's worthy of praise. He's worthy of praise. If for no other reason except he created everything, then he's worthy to be praised. Let alone 
alone the fact that he took you out of the mess you were in and saved you, seated you together with Christ in heavenly places, raised you up, gave you his gifts, free, gave you his gifts, gave you the ability to speak to the mountain, gave you all things pertaining to life and godliness, all things, there's nothing lacking. You know, there's a song that we changed the words to because it's more love, more power, more of you in my life. We changed it. You can't get more. You've got everything you need. Everything pertaining to life and godliness is on the inside of you. We changed it to your love, your power. That's all I need in my life. Your love. You see, we've got everything. It's just a question of letting him use what he's already given us. Letting it happen. You know, we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will anoint you to bring forth what is inside you already. When you, were, when you were saved, you don't get an extra dose when you're baptized in the Holy Ghost. All you're doing is releasing what's already there. See, you know, that's why every Christian can pray in tongues. Everybody. It's there already. You've got everything you need. When, you pr- when you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, really what you're saying is, all right, Lord, that's another area of my life. I want you to, to release it. See, it's like... It's like, I, I will see it like this. Did you get a package? When you get born again, he gives you this big package. And it's all wrapped up. And it's placed in you. Holy Ghost. Christ in you, the hope, hope of glory. Everything pertaining to life and godliness. And then it's unwrapping the package. You see, if you unwrap the package, then out of that box, it's like opening Pandora's box, except it's Jesus' box. And all the power that is in there. Is opened up. See, he don't want to do anything in your life without you let him. So when you say, I want you to baptize me. See, baptism, the word baptize is baptismo. It means to be totally immersed in. And what we're saying is, I've got the little package, Lord. I've got the little package and I like it. But I'd like you to have everything of me. I want you to flood my being. I want, I want to feel you in my fingers. I want you to be in my toes. I want you to take every part of me. I don't just want to put you in a little box on the inside of me. I want you to fill me to overflowing. I want you to, I want to have the power in my life that I know is in there, but I want to release it. I want to open the package. And so that's, what, that's something to shout about. Everything we need. In Philippians 4 verse 9 it says, Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the peace of God shall be with you. So he starts off talking about peace. And he he closes talking about peace. He says, the things that you've learned, the practices, the things you need to observe, the things you've watched me do, the way that you've seen me live, do them. The things you've received, the blessings you've received, the wonders, the gifts, the the openings, the doors, ah, all the wonders that you've received. Recognize them, the things you've heard, the doctrines. They're established on the inside of you. Establish them. The things you've seen, the miracles, the wonders. Oh, the miracles of God. Sometimes we don't even give him glory for the miracles we see. Those things, do them. And then the God of peace will be with you. You don't want to worry? You don't have to worry. Pray. Supplication, thanksgiving, and then focus on the things he's done. Focus on the good. Set your mind on Jesus. Set your affections on things above, 
That's what that means. Set your affections on things above. doesn't mean, you know, you love things above. It's not affections, it's attentions. It's your mind. Focus your attention on the things of God. Focus your attention on what he does. And as we do, that peace will become that garrison for the mind. And every time the devil comes up with a negative thought, you can say, uh-uh, that's contrary to what I'm focusing on. I don't receive it. It's possible so long as you learn to come into his presence. It's possible so long as you learn how to be in the things of God. It's possible so long as you learn how to pray, to learn how to supplicate. I don't know. If everybody's released in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I say released because, you know, like I said, everyone's got the Spirit of Christ on the inside of them. It's just a release. If you're not released this morning, then I don't, and, and you'd like to be, then, you know, let, let's pray together. Because, you know, when you pray in that prayer language, when you begin to pray in the Spirit, I know, you know, when we pray together here, you know, and we're just singing the Spirit and so forth, you know, it might sound like a little gobbledygook. Well, it is. But it's not to God. See, because we're speaking mysteries unto God. So it's, it's one of those things which we need to be able to do. We need to. Now, you know, you don't need hands laid on you to do it. If you, can, you can just open your mouth and go when everyone else is praying. But sometimes it just helps to have someone to focus with you. So if you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit or you've never been released in praying in tongues and you'd like to, then, then just, just show, show me your hand. Just say, yeah, that's me. I want to go for it. Is it, does everybody know how to pray in tongues? Everyone released into that that wants to be. You don't have to be, of course. But, you know, sometimes, y you know, you're just a bit we wary of, of letting it go. You don't lose control. You don't lose control. You know, if you speak German, I, I speak a bit of German. And you know what? I can, I can tell when I speak German. I can choose. I open my mouth and German comes out. I don't have to get any weird stuff. It just happens. You know, I can just make the decision. Ich spreche Deutsch. See, I just chose to do that. It doesn't run away with me. And your prayer language is the same way. It's on the inside of you, just like German's on the inside of me. I can speak it when I choose. So my prayer language is on the inside of me. I can speak it when I choose. So it's, it's good to release that. Maybe you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. You've spoken in other tongues at some stage, but you, you, know, you, you, have, you don't do it often. I want to encourage you. You know, the Bible says that, you know, when you know not what to pray for as you ought, sometimes we don't know. It's wonderful when we do know we can take the Word of God. Or you might not be au fait with the Word. You might not have a lot of the Word of God, you know, to, to, to come to mind. When you know the Word of God, then you can pray the Word of God. But if you don't know the Word of God or you don't know God's will in a situation, you don't know what to pray for. Well, that's the time when you can just say, Lord, I lift them before you right now. Just pray in the Spirit. The Bible says that way. You're praying mysteries unto God and you're praying God's perfect will into a situation. So I just want to close this morning as we, uh, together, we're going to give up worry today. We're going to give up worry. And I want us just to pray, just to lift up this church and just to pray in the Spirit. Lift up the people in this church. Focus, as we pray, just focus individually on each person. Let them come to your mind and just pray for them. We don't have to pray in English. We're just going to pray in the Spirit. Just let God do it. We're going to pray God's perfect will for the lives of every person in this church. Not for the church nebulously. Individuals in the church. 
Lord, we just lift them before you this morning. We lift every person in this church before you this morning. And we yield our voices to you right now. We yield to you, Spirit of God. Pray your perfect will into being for every person in this place today. If you've never prayed in tongues before, don't worry about anybody praying beside you. Just open your mouth and let it go. Just open your mouth and let it out. Just take a deep breath and let it come. You won't understand what you're saying. That doesn't matter. Nobody knows but you anyway. So just deep breath. Praise you, Jesus. Now, I want us to, to pray for Michael and Denise. They're, I spoke to Michael yesterday, and uh, Michael specifically asked that we pray for them. They are Michael feels a prompting now to begin a small Bible study in Boca Raton, but he, he doesn't want to do it without you know knowing when to do it, and you know he wants he wants to set the foundation right, and so he wants some wisdom. He wants God to to speak. He wants to to he wants some some real solid Holy Ghost direction. So I want us to lift him. Now, we don't know what God's will is in that situation, so it's a time to just lift him before the Lord. Father, in Jesus' name, we lift Michael and Denise before you. We thank you, Lord, that your hand of direction is upon them, that the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. And Father, we ask you, we pray your perfect will into being. We pray your wisdom into that situation. Bring the right people to them, Father. Oh, thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that your will be done. We thank you for it, Father. We thank you for it, Lord. Oh, Jesus, we love you. Thank you, Lord. Do uphold them in your prayers. Do keep them because, you know, they, they really want to hear from God as to what to do there. Now, we're going to receive our offering this morning well, since we're in